Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 57 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And today what we wanted to discuss are some statistics and some target data that uh, we recently talked about in our Optimizer series that we thought uh, we'd bring to your attention. think it's very interesting and I wanted to share uh, some of the highlights with you. And and we do encourage you to dive a lot deeper than what we're going to go in today, but we wanted to bring this up and, and point it out to you so you could uh, get this uh, start looking at things a little differently in your practices. So, uh, so with that, I'm I'm gonna turn it over to Mark to share some of the statistics, and uh, we'll walk you through some of the information that that uh, he covered on the Optimizer series. Yeah, thanks, Scott. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, the reason we started the Optimizer um, is, you know, we have constantly over the years as we've taught our in-person courses and, and you know, taught I mean, basically all, almost all of our courses, we have constantly preached team, um, you know, that, that, that it takes a village to run a practice and ultimately the support of billing, coding, and, and quite frankly, uh, financials, the, the financial piece of the practice um, does require touches by everybody in in the practice, from the front desk all the way back to the AR team and the, with the clinical folks in the middle. And we really started that optimizer series to uh, provide some insights from what we've seen with different groups that we've assisted around the country um, across uh, the years, and and try and you know bring some of those ideas back to everybody else. And and you know urology is pretty good. Um, as a group, um, but we we looked uh, in and at a few different stats that were out there. Um, as you know, we kind of dig through a number of different databases to try and come up with information to share with you. And one of the the recent uh, surveys by Medscape in 2020 um, found that uh, that 17% of urology claims were denied or or required to be resubmitted. Um, and, and, you know, that that's not a, a horrible number overall, especially, um, given the complexities of patients shifting insurance and everything that's out there, but it still is a lot of work, um, to deal with those. And ultimately, you know, if you, you know, take out the, the hassle factor stuff that comes back, um, you know, from just ridiculous denials from the insurance companies and the request for medical records, um, there's still a, a, a larger portion of, of claims that are problematic for your team that has to do with the front desk, you know, just get any, I mean, that's a general label, but essentially it's that upfront work that needs to be done of getting all the demographics entered correctly, making sure you have the updated insurance, making sure you check the eligibility. All of those things are 
preventable um, in this in the grand scheme of things. And and when you think about the amount of work that the insurance companies are now placing on practices with medical records requests and ridiculous denials, you really need your accounts receivable team cleaned up um, or you need to take as much off the plate um, from the front um, so that you don't have to have your folks chasing down things that were preventable. And in, in, in short, stop the self-inflicted wounds um, was was one of our discussion points. And so that uh, requires some fine tuning of the, the front desk and making sure that you're training people. And, and those are some of the things that we discussed um, in the optimizer series that that all practices should really take a good close look at. Um, you know, obviously, you know, for years we've been talking about coding um, as an issue for a lot of practices, and that's why we spend a lot of time in coding education and and you know providing our webinar supports for coding today and all the tools that are out there because we see that you know even if a practice has the, the the most optimized revenue cycle management across the board with the support side of the equation meaning you've got the the best front desk data entry piece people everybody's collecting all the patient balances your AR teams following up on all your denied claims, everything's there. You know, the, the coding is still an issue and, and a lot of things don't get billed. So that doesn't actually enter the revenue cycle management uh, process. It's just something that was given away. So that's why we spend a lot of time on coding. Um, and, and there is a loss of, you know, somewhere between uh, eight and fifteen percent for most practices. Um, if you really look at everything that's that's top to bottom in that practice um, of areas to lose, and and a big chunk of that is coding. Um, that, but there's also a big chunk in the RCM and the the real functional uh, billing process that's there. And when you think about your overhead costs which now average somewhere between 52 and 55, actually, excuse me, 52 to 63% uh, in there, which is a fairly wide range when you really take a look at this. And some of that has to do with practice size and, and, and others have to do with how much people are willing to let go of some of the requirements um, that really, you know, electronic medical records and some of the compliance with MIPS and MACRA and those types of things. But, but overhead cost has not gone down and it's not going down. You know, rents are going up, salaries are going up. It's harder to find people to do jobs. Training and replacement of staff is going up. So, so the overhead cost is creeping up. And, and when you think about everything that you do, the, again, the, the smoother that process is from front to back, the better off you're going to be. Um, now, when you take into account where your overhead is and you take into account deductibles, um, another thing that you really ought to think about is, you know, 10 to 20 percent of what a urologist takes home um, uh, each year is actually coming directly from the patient. So, which is a which is a decent sized number, 
um, that the patient responsibility now comes into. And that's taking into account that overhead. So that basically means it's 10 to 20 percent of a urologist's total income comes from the patient, which means that 19 to 44 percent of physician income comes from the patient. Um, that's a that's a big number. Um, so you you definitely want to pay attention to your patient payments across the board. Um, so and and certainly look at at every part of the practice across the board. And and as I've I've kind of focused a little bit on the front desk, this has been an issue, and and we've actually tooled some things around in our revenue cycle management group that, as far as the outsourced. Uh, services that we provide, and we've actually moved more of our coding and and support staff up in the process um, because you know getting clean claims out the door without self denying um, is a probably one of the biggest time savers that that you've got. Um, and then when you couple that with how much of everything that flows from the front desk. Um, including the demographics and your eligibility checks we put together a few target metrics that were that i think everybody should strive for or really take a look at monitoring including collecting 95 percent of all co-payments um, there's always going to be some bad debt and some charity work that you're doing um, but that's why we put it at 95 Make sure that you're collecting all your balances due or putting patients on payment plans. Um, that target should be about 85% of all your encounters should make sure that everybody's up to date or on a payment plan. Um, you need 90% or greater um, on your demographic data. That one's the, one of the tougher ones to do. And as much as you can, if you can start using tools to outsource that to the patient, um, and get your double checks in place in the office. That would that's a helpful way to approach that. And then you've got to check eligibility. Now you can't do it on everybody because not all of your payers set are set up that way. But invest in eligibility checking. We like that to be, you know, our target's 97% for that, and and then 85% of those secondaries um, that you want to make sure are correct. Those aren't as easy to to check and. And again, you, as you're moving fast, primaries are, are primary. Then um, the secondaries um, are things you can you can chase down a little bit later as their responsibility oftentimes isn't as great. So um, these are just, you know, tools and numbers. Um, but ultimately, if you are able to generate, analyze, and really look at your practice through the lens of good quality data, um, you're going to find at areas that you can improve on. And ultimately, again, I think the, the goal is to stop the self-inflicted wounds. The, you know, stop doing things that are hurting your income internally by looking at your data and then turning around and implementing solutions based on what the data tells you. One of the other things that uh, one of the other interesting things that we found is uh, in looking at what the coders, when asked what their number one biggest challenge is, the the most popular response was that uh, getting in getting correct information from 
the front desk or the front office. And so I thought that was an interesting seeing it from a different perspective. You know, if you look at the, it is, you know, emphasizing the teamwork that when you actually ask your coders what the biggest challenge they have, it may be getting good information. So, so once again, we're seeing it from a couple different areas. Not only can you see it from the, the actual stats or the, the metrics that you're reviewing, but also by asking the team members what they're seeing is, is a big challenge. Agreed. There's a there's a wealth of knowledge floating around your office. Ask them. <laughs> well, Mark, you mentioned in there that uh, one of your targets allowed for some charity work. I've always thought it was my duty to provide some charity work. And in working in a rural practice, you get to know your patients. And fortunately, when I practiced, you could earlier on, you could trust what a patient was telling you about their financing. And I used a lot of payment, payment plans and alternate payment systems like LAM, et cetera, back in my day, uh, which you, is not as easy to do today. And you can't trust patients as to their being truthful with you. So I think it's very tough, but I do think it is important to make those decisions of the charity work you're going to do up front instead of being forced on you 90 to 120 days later. Yeah, I would agree. And, and, and you know, I, I think, you know, as we've talked to physicians around the country, I mean, as a group, I think physicians do feel like they need to give back to the community, um, and 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 that's you know it's appropriate. But I I also encourage you know physicians to understand their value across the board and and understand that you know you can't really keep a practice afloat without having it financially healthy enough to provide that charity care. So you do really need to to make sure you're you're keeping an eye on what's you know what you're giving away, and try and give it away um, on your terms and not theirs. That's not a hundred percent, but um, you know do the best you can with that. And 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 a piece of that is you know having a a, a well-oiled machine supporting you so you can identify where those issues are. It's um, it, you're right. It's not easy, um, but it, you know you, it can be done with with some focus and protocols, procedures, and again a well a, a well oiled, well tuned, and well functioning uh, group supporting you in your practice. You made another point that I think uh, should be emphasized as well, and that is that your team should submit clean claims without self denial. You know, it, it's important to hit your targets of uh, high payment accuracy, et cetera. But if you're not charging for things you should be charging and you're, you're deciding not to charge for this because it sometimes gets denied, why, that's the worst thing you could do. 
we evaluated one practice that was leaving a lot of money on the table and we confronted them with, you know, you should be using this modifier more or not. Well, that practice had been audited at one time in the past and they decided to uh, hit the target of clean claims, uh, but they weren't charging for a lot of things they should be charging for. I think that's a huge mistake that some practices also make. Yeah, and, and one the insurance companies do dearly love. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and sometimes you you know it's hard to if your if your if your coders are the ones you know doing some some of the self audits to try and identify what's been missed. If if there's a blind spot there. Even if they're doing their self audits on themselves, you know it's a blind spot. They they'll miss it again. So so you got to have that, you know, a different set of eyes or a different set of, uh, you know, evaluations for looking at at the coding just to make sure you're capturing all those those things that you may be missing. Yeah. So rules and regulations change, and sometimes institutional knowledge doesn't. So making sure that everybody is continuing to learn and check websites and update their auditing skills and put some double checks in, I think are all good, good investments that all have a, a nice return on those investments. So um, don't, don't think of billing as something that's necessarily easy. Um, it's sometimes overly complex, but it's not as simple as I did it. I should get paid for it. There, there are hoops. There are requirements, and and you got to play the game, and you, and you really need to 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 bolster the infrastructure to support that game uh, across the board. And your point of checking, rechecking, and updating is uh, extremely important because what was successful last year may not be successful this year. Very true. And and one of the other things that uh, that you covered on the optimizer series in discussing is, uh, you know, there's a even on this podcast you threw out a bunch of statistics and a bunch of target data and. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of probably a lot of urologists and staff out there that are listening to this look at that and say, "Yes, I know," and uh, understand that that is something that 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 they need to do. But but how do? And this is what you covered: is how do you know where to start? I mean, we've we've shared with them a lot of information and. How do they get started and what should they start with first if they see a lot of different things that they need to improve on? Well, the, the answer is in the numbers, right? Follow the numbers. Now look at where your problems are um, the biggest um, and then follow the numbers. I mean, that's, that's a big piece of, of analytics. You make sure you, you know what your numbers say and then turn around and and start acting on them, and 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 ultimately, um, you can fix one thing at a time. And sometimes it's, you're it's a coin toss, 
as to which one's going to give you the most impact. But um, you narrow it down and where the numbers tell you it's going, then think about the impact of of what that's going to do as far as the changes. Um, but uh, in the end, it is following the numbers, figuring out where your issues are, and then and then make a run. All right, so I'm going to go back one more step for you. What numbers do you start with if you don't have your numbers? You know, you're saying follow the numbers. If you don't know, if if you don't know your numbers, you can't follow them. So let's let's even take it a step further for those uh, that aren't doing a lot of calculations. What would you start with? What numbers would you start with if it's if it's at that point? So we we gave out a, a significant uh, number of the numbers to say numbers a lot. They're <laughs> um, you know, we call them key practice indicators, and you know, the easy ones are days in AR and um, you know what percentage over ninety. Um, those are some of your bigger ticket numbers, but um, you also want to watch, you know, dollars per procedure, RVU production. Um, you want to look at um, where you are relative to your net collections and your expected net collections. You want to be able to track your copayment uh, collection amounts as a percentage. Uh, you need to be able to look at denials and those types of things, which is a lot to look at. Um, so, you know, starting with a with a block of, you know, four or five key practice indicators, and you want to narrow those down. Um, and we've narrowed them down to a few different numbers, including dollars per visit, dollars per RVU, you know, days in AR, um, you know, a, a good look at the AR overall and, and payer mix. Um, those are good starts. Um, and then as you start uncovering things, you, you want to Grab a few numbers, a few more numbers. What you, where are your denials coming from? Are they demographics? Are they not? So look at your denial types. Do we recommend you do a, a you know a full day uh, kind of audit in which you watch all your claims from a day, all your appointments from a day, flow through the office and make sure you captured everything and you know you know put a couple more resources to follow things around. Um, but really take a good look at, at everything a couple times a, a day in deep dives. And then, um, you know, as you shuffle through all those numbers, you know, start working your way down to those things that lead you to where you think your problems are. Turn over a few more rocks, pull some more data. Um, that's, it's, a, it's a puzzle that requires multiple approaches and it's not a single set of numbers that gives you all the answers but there are some numbers that can give you some guidance as to 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 targeting where your numbers come from all right well i think uh you know after you know listening to you and larry uh camp on the optimizer go through those numbers and go in more detail you know um i that is available. That is a resource for anybody out there that wants to dive a little deeper. We do have that available and uh, we'll put that in the episode details, a link to how you can sign up for that. And I think one of the most valuable parts of that is really being able to email Mark and Larry and, and bounce what numbers. Uh, first of all, make sure you're calculating the numbers correctly, but also, 
you know, what ones are the the ones that are the most important for your practice, and what what are they saying? And I know the that Mark and Larry have looked at a lot of different numbers and can give you probably look at it pretty quickly and give you an idea. So so we do encourage you if you want to dive deeper to come join and uh, join the Optimizer series and go and watch the recording of that uh, webinar. It's very informative and really goes a, a lot more in detail than what we've gone into here. Anything else to add, Ray? No, no, I think, I think uh, that's, that's covered that's... the key points. All right, Mark. Final well, thoughts? No. <clears throat> I think it, I think I've I've said enough today. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we'll wrap it up today and uh, take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.